On today's episode, we discuss why big tech is making big plays for live sports, and we recap week two of the NFL. It's time to sideline the agenda. Welcome to Sideline the Agenda. My name is Scott. With me is Kevin and Chris. And welcome to the show that sidelines the talking points of the corporate sports media and gives you a fresh, bold perspective on what we see both on and off the field of play. Nothing is out of bounds and everything is fair game. Coming up, we've got week two of the NFL. We have our takes and takeaways, and Big Tech is making big plays for the NFL Big Sunday Ticket. But first, we'd like to invite you to join our agenda to sideline the agenda by subscribing to our podcast and or uh, wherever you find your podcast entertainment. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter at Sideline Agenda. Sideline Agenda. Time to get off the sideline and into the game. Gentlemen, how are we? We are doing good. Good, yo, good. Yo, yo. Of course, the uh, uh, big fight, the trilogy match in Vegas happened uh, a couple nights ago. And from what I understand, I did not see it, but I understand you guys did. Um, it was pretty underwhelming. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. The, <laughs> Let me tell you something, brother. The, the worst the worst thing other than the fight itself yeah. is Canelo's entourage looking like Mario from Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> I mean, how many of these guys he have behind him? Like, I understand walk out with you know what's his name for you know for or whatever, uh, great singer. But the whole entourage, it just seemed more like a like a clown show posse. Yeah, I hear I hear the costumes were quite over the top. Then one more thing, also, that's probably just uh, just right up there with it. Did you guys see the national anthem? The singer that came out to sing uh, Triple G's national anthem. The guy was lipping it out there, completely missing the the all the la- the lyrics. Oh, no, wait a minute. So, so you're saying he was singing the the national like the Mexican national anthem? No, or? the Kazakhstan national anthem. Oh, oh yeah, because I, yeah, I don't know. So he's he's the he's gentleman was out there. He was oh, anim- no. he was so animated. He was into it, but he was missing the lyrics, and <laughs> people oh, in the crowd right. were just laughing. Canelo Jeez. doesn't fight. Fellow Mexicans, so Triple G is something else. Kazakhstan, he's from yeah. Kazakhstan or yeah, something. Some, yeah, he's a Kazakhstanian. Yeah. One of those, yeah, Eastern European from countries. one of those uh, uh, Bruno countries. <laughs> you had Michael B. Jordan in there, just kind of laughing. Oh, Everyone's in the uh, ring, kind of laughing because show face. Yeah. It was the. It was a nice. It was so bizarre. It was the worst thing I've seen in a very long time. <laughs> I, that's what I heard. I, the take on Twitter was definitely that it was just like a couple of old guys getting in the ring, and it was just not good. And everybody was saying that they were sick of the, you know, boxing doing what boxing does and giving the propaganda like, hey, this was a really good fight. Yeah. Going for the payday for sure. Because I mean, like we talked about last episode, Canelo pretty much handled the second bout. There wasn't really a big need for a third bout other than a big marketing ploy and, and payday. So that's what they went for. Probably especially because Alvarez was coming off a loss. They needed to uh, have a, a quote-unquote big match for yeah. him, but also an easy win for him. Because Golovkin, he's getting up there in years. He's definitely past his prime. And uh, it, it proved exactly what we said. Canelo was going to go out there and handle it again, and that's what he did. Yeah, Canelo looks slow. Uh, yeah, I want to talk about like it just briefly because you mentioned this, Chris, last week. Is, is is boxing? I think is is just at this really critical point um, for the profession. Is is I I think, and I think a lot of fans think that they need to go kind of more the UFC route, where these guys need to be fighting legit players more consistently. I mean, uh, boxers need to fight twice a year, and they need to fight yeah. good boxers. Like the UFC does a very good job of that. They, they have consistent bouts 
with big names. It doesn't seem like it's this kind of song and dance back and forth, will they, won't they stuff that the boxing does. And then they end up, you know, fighting some guy when they're easily several years off their prime. Right. Yeah, that's the the drawback to boxing. That would be a dream if if they could do it more like the UFC where what is the big fight? Let's make that happen instead of what is the best thing for our star? Because they seem like they're still star-driven and they just want to protect their stars and just keep that big promotion going to for, for the money. But instead of building up the entire sport and introducing people to more potential stars, they're just protecting that one guy, that big money guy. And you mentioned the the mentioned the entourage, Kevin, of all these guys that are just on the bandwagon of these stars when they're hot, when they're big. And, you know, where are they going to be at years from now once right. they, they fall off? That's boxing, too, yeah. like the pageantry of it all. But but again, like you're saying, more consistent bouts with legit players. These This would only enhance the sport, make the purses even larger, actually bring in fans. I mean, if everything's behind a freaking pay-per-view paywall... You don't give uh, general access to to the public, and you have no space and place where people can actually go to to get to know the boxers. Right. And, and and I just I mean, like I said myself, I I, I didn't watch because I, I've got no I don't even know who these guys are. <laughs> Here I am talking about them, right? <laughs> yeah, in Triple G, I mean, I think this is a good way to say you know b- bye. <laughs> um, yeah. Even though he did say that he's not retiring, that he's still um, holding three different belts, um, and you know, Canelo is the only person that actually beat him. And so now he yeah. has two losses on his record. I mean, he's had a very prestigious career, but I mean, he just was losing it last night. You know? Out with the old and with the new, but you got to give the new the what they're the due. Chance. You need to give them exactly some yeah. eyes and an opportunity. And more importantly, you need to give uh, new audience members a, an opportunity to actually get into. Yeah. To and the you know, these itself. promoters are not going out there trying to, to get the, who's the next up and comer that the hottest guy out there, who's going to be the biggest threat to my guy that might potentially knock him off. They want to get someone that is going to be the biggest money draw, but isn't the necessarily the biggest threat to their guy. Cause they don't want their guy taking that loss. Did yeah. you guys see the Showtime announcer the in the ring that that's uh, you know introducing everybody the Jamaican slash like Jewish guy? That's no, out there. <laughs> <laughs> he was so bizarre. It, it was not a good, it wasn't a good production. Yeah, I heard that. Who was saying that? One of you guys were saying that it wasn't even just the, is it Danzen or Danzen? I don't even know how to say it. Yeah, Danzen. Just wasn't even a good production as a whole. Uh, just a bad representation of, of boxing in general, which is which is sad to say see yeah. because, you know, it, it I mean, it did have its heyday. Right. Uh, you'd like to see it come back. But unless, like I said, unless you're going to bring in new new talent and and more specifically new a new fan base and give them access to the sport, you know, good luck with that. Yeah, true competition is always going to be the driving force behind really building up a sport, no matter what it is. If you limit that competition and just try to build up certain people and protect them, it's it's going to hurt the sport overall. And that's what has really been making the UFC so large and, and huge over these past couple decades is they're about competition. What's the best fight? And mm-hmm. the cream will naturally rise to the top. And then you've got a lot more guys out there that can be draws instead of only one guy here, one guy there that can actually be big purse draws. Well, I wanted to move on to uh, move on to go to the past, and that is uh, Thursday night football. Uh, there, there were some elements of that 
broadcast slash presentation that we we um, probably are a little remiss, especially being sidelined the agenda, the show that where we want to point out some of the uh, agendas that are lying beneath the surface of the broadcast and the the show, the television show of of, of national football, uh, uh, you know itself and and. I wanted to um, talk about the significance of the Thursday night football broadcast in itself, of course, being part of Amazon Prime, Prime being a streaming um, uh, platform, and them admittedly wanting to be more involved in the live sports game. Of course, we have spoken about in the past that we feel like inevitably this is where sports is going. It's not going to necessarily be accessible uh, you know, on your basic cable. It's definitely going to be on an Apple TV, a, a, a YouTube, a, a, an Amazon. We're already obviously seeing that happen now. But I, you know, I just wanted to talk about the significance of, of what is at play here when you know, we were kind of like poking fun at Jeff Bezos being in Roger Goodell's ear, you know, seemingly every shot pregame and every shot during the game of, of Roger Goodell and, and, and just, you know, uh, chewing his ear off. But like you said, Chris, that he, he obviously has, he, he definitely has an agenda. He has an idea. And when you think about Jeff Bezos and, and, and all that would be available or all that is available to him, from this broadcast, from an analytics standpoint, personal metrics, you know, uh, that he can receive during the game. When you click play on your Amazon Prime, when you when you click on that, it's recording everything that you're doing. It's seeing what commercials to say you start the game a little late, what commercials you're 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 sticking around for, which ones you're actually act you know actively watching, what points of the game you're you're paying attention to. It's parallel, probably gathering data. Uh, with your Amazon account, what things maybe you might have been motivated to purchase during the broadcast, what kind of jerseys are sold, what kind of team wear is, is, is gathered, what the obviously the metrics itself from a from a just a regular television standpoint of, of what teams are bringing in uh, uh, larger eyes, you know, and then of course, don't be a fool. Don't think like, you know, uh, what did Alexa hear you say during the live broadcast, oh, yeah. you know, your verbal and even physical out reactions and outbursts during the game are probably all being recorded and analyzed to the benefit of both Amazon and the NFL. Yep. And, and, and because after all, it is just a television show with ratings, but there's also ad revenue and, even deeper, what we talked about last week, a little bit with the with the ability to to propagate your you know your mind into a certain belief system. The, these things are all being there's all algorithms being developed off of this. These are things that are all being uh, looked into, and, and and there's there's an obvious, undeniable interest that there there's there is massive power in these live sports television shows. I mean, we talked about people coming under one tent one roof to from various uh, walks of life to watch this television show the nfl is undeniably the highest rated tv show right now and and, and big tech has big interest in wielding its power i mean the sharks are circling i mean after 30 years direct tv and the league will end their business relationship and the league wants the new network to have a greater reach to say an online streaming service direct TV paid the NFL $1.5 billion a year for the exclusive rights to distribute the content. 
Um, and now a bidding war is brewing between the world's largest tech companies. Like I mentioned, Apple, Amazon, and Google are all pushing to become the next home of NFL Sunday ticket. And Amazon and Apple are the two main bidders. Um, and uh, also there's you know ESPN, which is owned, of course, by Disney. And the new candidate uh, among the bidders is uh, Google, and they have submitted a bid for Sunday Ticket to offer the services through their YouTube platform. And so it's not confirmed yet, but it is likely because the the uh, uh, this is all going to transpire in, in 2023. It is likely that the bidders will have to pay around 2.5 billion a year uh, just to have the uh, rights, the exclusive rights for NFL Sunday Ticket. Isn't it interesting? You know, you wouldn't think that 10 years ago that these platforms, these tech companies would have any interest in live sports. And all of a sudden at the shot, the chance of being the main carrier of NFL Sunday ticket, they are all lining up and salivating for this opportunity. And it, again, like what we talked about, the analytics the information that you're able to harvest, the uh, ability that you are able to get not only your message across from a marketing standpoint, because again, cutting back to that Thursday night football game, it felt like one big long Amazon commercial was like, mm-hmm. yeah, check out our new Lord of the Rings thing. And then we've got yeah. this new show. And then by the way, are you in need of toilet paper? Um, you know, like it, it, it's, that stuff's only going to get worse. But, but, but what I'm more concerned about you know, to use a, I suppose, a strong term is the, is the information harvesting that's happening simultaneously that you're not aware of that say Apple was to hold it and you have Sunday ticket and you're, you know, an Apple user and it's tracking what you're looking and searching during the game on your iPhone. And it's like, all of this is just another grand opportunity for these companies to become wealthier and more powerful under the umbrella, under the illusion of sports entertainment. Yep, and more influential. Yeah, it was kind of ironic. I think it was Al Michaels. I forget if it was the first or the second quarter, but he had a quick little line. Most people probably didn't really catch it because he was kind of joking, but he was like, oh, yeah, we were talking with Bezos, and we were just solving all the world's problems. Mm. And that gives you kind of an insight what Bezos is, is after, and there's no reason or there's no wonder why he wasn't talking uh, Goodell's ear off. He, he's got goals. He's got agendas. And if you've ever seen some of his quotes, some of them are pretty bizarre and pretty outlandish and pretty insane, if you ask me. So having a, a company that's going to have control over all that information and information is power, knowledge is power. So they are undoubtedly gathering all that information and are only going to use it to further their own goals, their own agendas, not only just from a business standpoint to grow Amazon, but as we see all over the world right now, we just had these hearings all week long with Facebook and Facebook executives and how they're working with the FBI and working with the White House directly and taking orders, not only from the White House, not only from American companies, but also from United Nations, from CDC, from WHO, from global entities. So we're not only just influencing just from America's standpoint, but it's, it's going global. So it can, it can be pretty scary because they're, they, you know, you mentioned NFL ticket. It is the hottest ticket out, a ticket out there. Yeah, it is. Cause it's, it's grabbing those tens of millions of people and what better spot to 
drastically influence a large group of people at once. And this is kind of the way that everything's been going. It's been going this way for probably the last 10, 15 years. You've got the old, you call it the dinosaur media, the legacy media of the Fox and the CNN and the MSNBC. Their viewership is going down and down and down. And you've got all these other platforms online that have been growing and growing and growing. So these mega big tech companies, Amazon and Apple, that really have the, the power in Google and the, uh, the how to do, they're going to use that uh, to their benefit. And they've got no problem whatsoever to steer information to reach the agenda that they want. And we're aware of it. And there's a lot of other people that are aware of it, but they're kind of using the football as a, a, a pathway to take these unsuspecting people that are just thinking they're just going to watch football. And whether they know it or not, they're getting hit with all kinds of messaging, whether it's even during the game or whether it's just the ads that are Amazon is going to send them the information that they're going to use, you know, for or against them. So it's uh, kind of the way things are going. And it can be very scary when you got people with you know, very political agendas that are using things that are supposedly non-political uh, to always infiltrate it and and steer it left or right. It's it's not right. And that's the point too, you know, and I'm glad you said that because it's, it is a left or right situation. I mean, we've seen influence peddling happening on both sides of the aisle, frankly, and we've seen situations where... Um, you don't. I mean, it just it just comes to mind. I, I just got to. Maybe this isn't the right examples that is uh, you know related to what we're talking about here. But it just comes to to like Brett Favre, for example. Like this is this is a class warfare thing too to me. Uh, Brett Favre, uh, has, his daughter went to some Mississippi college, and he peddled his influence with the governor, who's a right a Republican governor, uh, to get about five billion dollars for his daughter's. Uh, uh, college to build a new stadium. You know what I mean? Like there's there's corruption all over the place. Oh yeah, and this is common. It's, it's just com- it's just this is just how it is. And 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 we get locked into fighting each other based off of political uh, uh, ideologies, left versus right, and we're all distracted. You know, in the in the the middle of the ring, so to speak, fighting amongst each other. Meanwhile. They're all, you know, uh, scooping our wallets and cell phones out of our bags, you know, in the locker room uh, while, while we're, we're distracted by all of this. And, of course, we can point to countless, you know, examples. And, and, and admittedly, that's probably not the best example in regards to this subject itself, but it just makes me, me think of that. And what are the ramifications of a streaming service that – and when I think about – because I'm, I'm a Mac user. I have an iPhone. When I think about – Everything that is Mac knows more about me than probably most of my close friends. Oh yeah, you know, and and they know that that they have access to that information, though they claim that and they're they, there to protect. Yeah, them, they you know? they protect your, your privacy. privacy. Is so important to them. Yeah, it's so important to them <laughs> until they're able to make a buck off of it. Yep. Uh, you know, and and again, we're just seeing this slow moving infiltration into all of these aspects of our life and bringing them under one collective umbrella. That list gets smaller and smaller as the years go by. We're really talking just like Amazon, Google, Apple, uh, Facebook, maybe, you know, like Facebook, of course, you know, Disney, you know, 
all using their influence to inf- to influence you. It's not just data gathering for data gathering's sake for them to sell a better product. It's how to influence you as an individual. It's psyop stuff, not to yep. get my you know aluminum hat on, but you know what, my tinfoil hat is on, and and uh, uh, because it's true, we've we've seen countless examples of this. Well, I mean, you get Disney that purchased you know all these superhero uh, Marvel and Star Wars and whatnot, and it didn't take them long to start putting in their their woke agenda, their leftist agenda, to where now they're making. Superheroes that you've known for decades, they want to make them, you know, part of the LGBTQ community. Exactly, because there's that agenda. Yeah, or like DC, where they had a comic where they're making Superman gay, and like just all kinds of this craziness. Or even worse, just our <laughs> democracy, where it's like you have the FBI contacting Facebook and Zuckerberg, you know, to, talking about this on the Joe Rogan podcast, where it's yeah. like, oh yeah, they told me uh, ignore the Hunter Biden laptop yeah. thing. That's Russian uh, misinformation, and 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 all of that just influences your election outcome. Yep. And 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 that is pretty damn scary. Yeah. Freedom of information is where we need to be at, freedom of speech, and this is not that. This is the control of information and the censorship of speech. And that's not American. That's not what this was this country was founded on. You need to have the opinions that people don't agree with. People need to air it out. They need to have dialogue, and when you've got one side controlling dialogue, no matter what side it is, it's never a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, you got to have good faith dialogue. That's how we are all able to grow as a people. And, um, you know, and, and so it's, it's a good thing that you're listening to this show because that's what we try to do. We're, we're trying to point out these agendas that are out there that are tugging at you and, and, and to, to, in essence, hopefully open your eyes to some of the stuff that is, is, that is out there. Uh, so let's move on. We're going to move on to uh, NFL week two, but first we would like to invite you to join our agenda to sideline the agenda by subscribing to our podcast and giving us a five-star rating. And you can tell your friends about us too. That really helps out. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at Sideline Agenda. Sideline Agenda, it's time to get off the sideline, fellas, and into the game. Get in the game. Get in the game. All right. NFL Week 2 was uh, a pretty surprising one, actually. Um, There was a lot of, uh, you know, results that we all knew were going to happen, but uh, also some not so much. Um, God, you know what? I got to say this. I'm completely officially off the Indianapolis Colts bandwagon. That's for sure. They made us look like fools. They really did. (laughs) They they went to Jacksonville today and uh, had a big goose egg. Big goose egg down there, Big lost to zero. Lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars, twenty four nothing. I mean, I don't know. Is there? Is well, we did say Jacksonville looks like they should be up and coming. But, yeah, uh, we thought Matt Ryan was going to be good, and at uh, least he's, score up. He's gone. He's something. He's good. Yeah. He's good at throwing picks. <laughs> Three <laughs> of them. He's good at <laughs> sucking it up. Hat trick for you. Good job, out there, Matt. I don't know. Is there any hope for the Colts? No. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah, I love it. I, yeah, I agree, man. I, I I don't know. Like I think I'm. Uh, it looks like they're done. Yeah. So we're we're now collectively on the Titans bandwagon, at least for the division, right? Yeah. I I, I would God, be more that way for sure. That? But I mean, they're gonna play Buffalo, so they're probably gonna be zero and two also. Yeah. It's yeah. A, it's a bad division. I mean, who knows? Jacksonville might take it. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? <laughs> well, that'd be good. That would change, be fun at least. You know, yeah. Something. Something yeah, different. Trevor Lawrence doing his thing. Last they, they to got, first uh, place. What's his name? The uh, the old uh, Philadelphia Eagles coach. Yeah. Uh, Doug Peterson. Pa- Peterson. Yeah. 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 I like Doug. He likes tight ends. 
Yeah, like I got that. no problem with him. Yeah, right. beat it, the Patriots in the Super Bowl. That was cool. That's true. <laughs> yeah, you, you you always get a smile from me if you yeah. want to beat the Patriots. Got another L on Brady's Super Bowl record. You also get a smile from me. Yeah, exactly. If you beat Tom Brady, unfortunately, that didn't happen today in New Orleans. Did you see Tom? Uh, uh, rather, uh, OBJ dabbing up Tom before the. Uh, Tampa Bay, uh, New Orleans game. Yeah. That's just OBJ doing what OBJ does, getting himself little headlines, yeah. little attention. Get some attention. Say, hey, I'm still a free agent. Who's who's out there that wants me? He's going, wait a minute. Are the cameras I, on I us? I can't play till like maybe playoff time, but who who wants me? Are the cameras on us? I'm going to dab you up, Tom. <laughs> and uh, I guess there's a bit of a scuffle in that game. I mean, it was funny. Uh, Tom Brady was just like a petulant child for the majority of the game. Like I was, you know, halfway checking in on that game from time to time. It was like three, three for the majority of it. And every, every, you know, so often there was a moment of Tom Brady throwing some kind of fit or yelling at people on his sideline. But I guess there was some, some kind of altercation, uh, wide receiver, Mike Evans, I, I guess he, uh, he ended up hitting some guy and getting kicked off. Yeah. This out of ESPN. How quickly a game can change when emotions spill over. Brad uh, Brady helped incite a skirmish that led to emotion, uh, ejection of Lattimore and Bucks receiver Mike Evans. That's right. He was he was talking. He was, he was mouthing off Brady. Yeah, he, it's he ridiculous. was trying to cash checks. His uh, Brady will stir <laughs> it up. He'll he'll start it. He'll mouth off. But you never see him in there shoving with anybody. He'll <laughs> he'll back out real quick. He's trying to write. Else. Right checks his old ass couldn't. <laughs> I think Brady did it on purpose because yeah. Lattimore got ejected. So did yeah. Evans. But the very next play, he went after the rookie cornerback uh, that they put in. He and they, you know, put up a touchdown. Get him fired yeah, up. That's true. Lattimore out there. Get him fired up. Down. Yeah, yeah. Lattimore and Evans. They've been going at it for several years. They've they've got a really big rivalry. The so old coach. No what's surprise. his What's his name? The uh, the old Buccaneers coach. Old. Yeah, he was on the sideline. I thought he was. That was for a team president or whatever. Team president. I guess he's down there. I will say though, Mike Evans. That was a total complete cheap shot. I know they had you know previous drama between Mm -hmm. you know from 2017 when they had that altercation as well. But this was a complete cheap shot. You know, uh, Leonard Fournette was the one kind of pushing on, you know, uh, Lattimore and then Mike Evans, you know, let's just call him the, you know, uh, I don't want to say this on on air, but you know, he, he used that as an, an attempt to, you know, get his revenge, so to speak. Any little excuse to come in there and cheap shot the guy that he's he's been shutting yeah, down just for like years. OBJ does what he does. Mike Evans does what he does. <laughs> I'm, I'm just glad that they uh, kicked his ass out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it, I mean, Lattimore getting ejected is kind of doesn't seem as fair because he's got these guys mouthing off to him. He tries to stand up. He's got Fournette coming at him, hitting him, and then Evan just blind signs him. Uh, but you know, you can't be fighting out there. Was so there anything else? Get rid that? of both of them. Yeah, I was going to say. Approach? Yeah, I, I think Tom Brady was. Um, I think he was just blaming the tablet. <laughs> I think that was the reason yeah, why they were smashing the Microsoft <laughs> Teams tablet or whatever. It was all Microsoft, Microsoft, Microsoft tablet on the side. It's that damn tablet. Like, damn this it, Bill an, Gates, you're making me not score points. This should be an Apple product. <laughs> <laughs> he was probably getting messaged by G- Giselle. <laughs> <laughs> Your old ass can't play. I mean, obviously, um, you know, the Bucks get into New Orleans and, you know, they put up a W. I, I think it's been a while since they did that. Um, yeah, I heard like so, three years. I can't. I don't know if that's true. That's the first time Brady's beat New Orleans in the regular season. 
Ah, in New Orleans, and Winston did. Do Winston did do his thing and, and throw like three picks? Yep. So he's good for it. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely good for it. <laughs> that was a uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers twenty to uh, New Orleans Saints ten. Uh, great game, however. Uh, you know, in uh, Miami, or excuse me, in Baltimore, as um, the Miami Dolphins uh, took on the Baltimore Ravens, and seemingly were getting their asses handed to them courtesy of Lamar Jackson, but they turned that sucker around. It was a 21-point deficit, um, and they came back to win that game against the Ravens in Baltimore. Yeah, huge comeback. I got to say, Tua is uh, making me eat crow a little bit right now. He had two receivers over 150 yards, damn near two receivers at 200 yards. I think he had like five TDs, five or six TDs. Yeah, uh, five. Man, he threw for almost 500 yards. A hell of a day. He's got some serious weapons at his disposal. So, I mean, he, he had a lot of completions. Like I said, he's always going to be a high completion guy. It's just, My only question was, can he get the ball down the field enough? But if they're able to do that kind of damage with, with those two stud receivers, you know, they're going to be a team come playoff time if, if they're able to continue doing this that teams aren't really going to want to face. Yeah, I think they uh, figured out Lamar Jackson. I think the first half was a Lamar Jackson show. He ran out there, and I think he was running all over there. Uh, I think he had, uh, what, he had 318 yards, three touchdowns, but he was making damage on the, on yeah, the ground. Yeah, over, over a, well over 100 yards. 119 running, yeah. yards on the running game. So he was he was tearing them apart. Yeah, I think the Miami, they figured that out. And then as soon as they could shut down Lamar Jackson, then they started crawling back into the game. Yeah. Um, obviously, Tyreek Hill had that big explosive 60-yard you know, touchdown, 60-yard plus, I think. And, um, and you know, the Dolphins, I mean, we said it last week, if they pull out a win, they're legit. And right yeah. now I'm, I'm putting them up there. They're, they're, they're a good, uh, good contender for that division. Two through five touchdown passes when the uh, Dolphins had less than a 50% win probability. Uh, that was tied for uh, the most in a game since 2016. Also, earlier this week, um, I don't know if you guys caught the news that Mike McDaniel's head coach of the Miami Dolphins commented that he doesn't really take consistent showers. <laughs> <laughs> so I think maybe he should continue this. <laughs> yeah, don't he, shower. He, he said you that. Lose. Yeah, he 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 told the press that I, I I really used to push it from from game day to Wednesday without showering. Jeez. And actually, 49ers coach because that was the the former team that uh, uh, McDaniel was part of, uh, Mike Shanahan confirmed the claim. He said it was accurate and that he definitely is not lying. And uh, he would not shower for weeks at a time. Oh, geez. What so, a random uh, thing to expose yourself to. I just to. thought it was the Florida right? humidity. Guy, guys that share that kind of information, they, they nasty. <laughs> yeah. He, he yeah, nasty. And, and you might be able to get away with that. That's a good point, Kevin. You might be able to get away with that in San Francisco. But in Miami, with that Florida heat and humidity, Jeez. them balls, man. Out there on the sidelines sweating all oh. game, and then you go all the way till Wednesday. <laughs> She's like, Mike McDaniels, what are you doing? And he's like, making cheese. <laughs> ball, <laughs> ball cheese. Um, that makes and, sense, because you smell like cheese. <laughs> I'm enjoying my own funk here. <laughs> it helps me get creative and draw plays. Woo! Maybe that's what it was. Maybe Mike McDaniel ran out on the field, and uh, Lamar Jackson caught a whiff. And that was the game changer. Sick to his stomach. He's like, hey, Tua, if you don't go out there and get this game, <laughs> you're going to be stuck in the shower with me. Eat oh, some my cheese. goodness. So Eat Miami Miami Dolphins take that one uh, from the Ravens, 42-38. Yeah, yeah. Tyreek uh, Hill, 190 yards. Waddle, yeah. 171. Tyreek. He's two the monster dividends. games. Yeah, Coming he's... back. 
Well, that, that, like you said, they should have a, a nice, bright, bright future. So in, in the wake of the uh, Dallas Cowboys owner, Jerry Jones, uh, voicing frustration surrounding a wide receiver, CeeDee Lamb, uh, and he said, uh, he was saying stuff like when you get doubled, like what the best receivers should do is is play through coverage, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, uh, and, and and of course the team had sold uh, uh, Amari uh, Cooper, um, uh, or excuse me, the, the team was selling that CeeDee Lamb was, you know, a, a legit number one wide receiver. And of course, you know, uh, thought that, said that he was a clear upgrade from Amari Cooper. Um you know the Bengals. Uh, we we all thought we we're going to go into Dallas and and put on a clinic, but but not so much. I mean, yeah. uh, you had uh, Cooper Cooper Rush, you know, behind the helm in in the wake of a Dak Prescott injury, and uh, bringing the Cowboys to a twenty seventeen uh, win. Yeah. Um, wonder if uh, is is Jerry Jones eating some crow tonight? Yeah, absolutely. When you're the one that ships off your number one receiver. And then now your new one, number one receiver gets 11 targets and only two catches because they're just doubling them up because what other weapons are out there, that doesn't make you look too good. And then you try to blame the receiver for it. Uh, but their right. their quarterback, yeah, he's a 2-0 as a starter now. What well, we said last week that um, this might be the best thing that happened to the Cowboys because maybe they can finally get out from under Dak because – He's not that guy. Got to give it up for Coop. Cooper Rush, he outperformed Joe Burrow by by a long shot. I love it. Uh, Joe Burrow had 199 yards. Cooper Rush came through with 235, and he mixed mixed the ball around. He spread it out throughout uh, Brown and CeeDee Lamb and – um, Pollard and Schultz until he got hurt. Um, he was mixing all the way, you know, all around. And Joe Burrow is pretty much a, a, a one-trick pony. He's going to go to Chase, or he's going to hand it off to to Mixon, and uh, he does have what's his. Uh, uh, he he does have a Boyd in there as well. That's yeah, pretty prominent. But other than that, I mean, he's pr- pretty much going to go to the same guys, and yep. you know, he, I think he just got outperformed today. And and possibly a little figured out as far as the uh, general Cincinnati Bengals squad, and and this kind of goes back to what I've been saying <laughs> is I think they're going to fall off, man. Yeah, I don't think that they're going to even make the playoffs. Come, come back to reality. Obviously, for it's Cincinnati. an early part of the season, uh, and there's plenty of time for that to be a cold, freezing take. But uh, uh, so far, so good. Looking looking pretty good with my uh, my th- my uh, prediction of a Bengals fall off. Uh, let's move to San Francisco. Um, l- little sad news, I suppose, or good, great news, depending on your perspective. Uh, QB Trey Lance injured early in the first quarter uh, with an ankle injury, according to Adam Schefter, will be receive ankle injury or ankle injury will receive ankle surgery and be out for the rest of the season. And of course, that left it open for Jimmy G to step in and pick up pretty much where he left off last season Um, and uh, had a great, great performance and brought the 49ers to a 27-7 win over the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, as a Rams fan, I was kind of disappointed to see Lance uh, get hurt because I knew now Jimmy G is going to go in there and they're probably just going to pick up kind of where they left off last year and they're going to be a very tough team. Uh, you know, it sucks Lance got hurt. He's out for the rest of the year, shattered ankle. But if you're a 49er fan, I think I you're probably say, happy. I have to believe <laughs> that everybody was wiping their brow and going, woo, when when Trey Lance went down and Jimmy G stepped in. Hate to say it, but I bet a lot of them were really happy 
that that was the situation. Again, we talked about this last week. If it ain't broke, why fix it? Jimmy right. G taking you all the way to, I mean, the Super Bowl just a handful of years ago, the, the, the playoffs, the NFC championship game yep. last year, which arguably they should have won if it wasn't yep. for that dropped potential interception. Yep. Like you messing with the formula now? Like you, let you let your your young quarterback still you know continue to develop. Now he's not going to continue to develop at all, and you're still stuck with Jimmy. Yep. Like you know what I'm saying? Like that was the worst call ever. You know it would be really interesting if his uh, Jimmy G was like, I'm going to hold out and not play until you guys redo my contract exactly. again because now I'm starting. I want that money back you guys took from me. You guys making me the backup. The proof is in the pudding too. As soon as hurts, you know. As soon as um. Uh, Lance, Lance, Lance yeah. yeah. As soon as sorry, as soon as Lance uh, got out of the game, Jimmy get in there and he sets him up for a field goal. Then the next drive, they go ahead and score a touchdown. Um, he didn't do too well. I think Frisco has probably a better defense and an offense. Um, I think yeah. maybe we're seeing their praise a little bit too early. You know, 154 yards out of Jimmy, and really uh, his main target was Wilson Jr. 84 yards. But the C- Seattle Seahawks, I mean, they they suck, guys. Yeah. Let's be honest. That's true. They're I mean, not a great team, but that's been the formula for the 49ers. Play good defense. Yeah. Garoppolo is not going to go out there throwing 300 yards. No. He's just going to get his 150, 200. They're going to run the ball, use the clock, play defense, and just try and be efficient on offense. And they've won a lot of games doing it. That's one thing I wanted to add as well. Is Seattle Seahawks, they had a terrible run game. They didn't do anything on the ground. Um, they had max 15 yards. You yeah. know, you just can't win games yeah. when you run the ball. Your 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 leading rusher is 15 yards. Um, Lockett had a pretty decent game, 107 yards over in the in the air. But DK Metcalf was pretty much a no show. Not not what we're used to seeing him yeah, do. Yeah, they'll, they'll just double him, shut him down, and. Yeah, just it was, dare it, you to beat him with someone else. It was like the perfect situation for a Jimmy G to step in and catch the headline, right? You yeah. know, like and 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 also uh, the relief of the collective 49ers fan, where it's like, oh, good, Jimmy's in, and he, he brought us that twenty-seven-seven win. Mm-hmm. You know, but you you're right, Kevin. This was probably a, a little misleading, but still, uh, to Chris's point, I, I do believe that that is that's on brand for the Jimmy yep. G offense. Little dumps here, little uh, runs. Uh, Kittle, of course, not not uh, playing uh, today or yesterday, and uh, uh, it'll be good for for him to be back and and create that uh, that have that same dynamic that they had yep. in the past. The point is, is they're better off with yeah, him in absolutely than they are with him out. And I agree with you, Chris. I really hope he's got some kind of clause in his contract that said, <laughs> "I'm going to take this pay cut, but the second I become the man." I become the man, not just on the field. I become the man when yeah. it comes to my bank that account. Starter money, yep. that starter money, hit me up. Or oh, maybe this pass don't go as good well. Yeah. Or maybe this handoff doesn't quite yeah. hit its mark. So, uh, yeah, it should be interesting to see how this plays out. But I agree, it makes me admittedly nervous as a Rams fan that uh, I would say that the 49ers are, are back. Uh, and a definitely a potential threat to win the division, if not be that wild card. Yeah, especially because the Rams aren't looking exactly amazing or world beaters right now. I was just going to say the Los Angeles Rams (laughs) barely survived the Atlanta Falcons in Los Angeles, 31-27. I mean, it was a squeaker. And they were up, what was it, 28-3? to So check this out. According to uh, Next Gen Stats, win probability model, the Falcons had as low as a .3% chance of winning with seven minutes and 26 seconds left in the third quarter trailing 
28-3. And if the Falcons had won, it would have been the most improbable comeback in next-gen stat era, which was 2017. And they almost did it. Yeah. They almost did it. What a great game, huh? That was crazy. (laughs) Yeah. First, I've never seen an intentional safety like that. I mean, but looking back at it, how smart was that play? Yeah. No, it was was genius. I mean, it, it was kind of your only option, too. Uh, we weren't really expecting it, but once they ran Powell out there and just ran it back to the end zone, took some clock off, that that was definitely a good call there. But high turnover game again uh, for the Rams, and uh, I think Atlanta had a couple as well. But, yeah, the Rams, they just did not want to really run away with that score. I don't, I don't know. But, yeah, it, it would have been the biggest comeback since we saw the last 28-3 with the Falcons, except this was in reverse. And uh, that was the 2016 when, you know, the Patriots famously came back and won that game. Yes. Stafford's really, not to cut you off, but Stafford's, he's really got to, you know, trim these interceptions down. Yeah, he he's another throwing two. it up into some double coverage a couple times. Uh, this is like early season Stafford. Yeah. Like he did this last year. He's He did it in Detroit. He just has like brain fog. He's got sometimes. a little bit of a gunslinger mentality. Yeah. I'll just force it in there when he's got a guy that's you know lower in the uh, the route tree that's wide open. <laughs> like the pick he threw in the end zone when he was trying to go for Higby, he had Cup just sitting there wide open for like a, a ten yard out. And you know, hopefully as the season goes on, he'll he'll fix those things. But yeah, that was way too dangerous, way too close of a game against a team that you should just demolish. Yeah, and the Rams' defense was a shadow of itself. Yeah, they're not getting nearly the amount of pass pressure that they were last year. You know, obviously losing Miller is going to be a, a huge hit to your pass rush, but you didn't think it was going to be that much of a difference because you still got oh Aaron Donald, the best player in the league, which is very uh, debatable. I think he's done some quiet quitting. Uh, yeah, he got his he got his money, and he doesn't really seem to be the game wrecker that he was. Nope. And then Ramsey, he did have that huge interception at the end of the game, which was great, but he had a couple plays earlier in the game. He had one pick six that was just he could have walked in if he caught the ball that he dropped. And he had that big pass interference early on in the game that was just not necessary at all. So he's been getting caught in some situations that he shouldn't or doesn't normally get caught in. And, and hopefully, you know, they didn't play preseason. This is only the second game, and they're going to solve some of these issues. But good thing they were playing the Falcons today because most other teams would have came back and won that. What do you guys think about the Robinson connection? Loved it. I it mean, they, a lot better. they got him involved for sure. And uh, that's, you know, classic McVay when there's that press pressure in regards to the previous week when uh, Robinson was a no-show to uh, seemingly get him more involved. Yeah, it looked like they were trying to force it to him a little bit too much early on. Cup didn't even have a catch till like, I think, two or three minutes left in the first half. And then they started going back to Cup, and then he ends up with a couple touchdowns and, like, you know, a bunch of receptions and almost 100 yards. Higby looked good, too. 71 yeah. yards out of Higby? Yeah, if they can just limit the turnovers, they're going to be fine. Because Cup had that big catch for that third down conversion, and they punched the ball out that let Atlanta have some more life. They had the block punt, um, a couple of interceptions. So if they can just get those turnovers down, that you know this game wouldn't have been close at all. And they should be fine going going forward. It's just some of that uh, chemistry, some of that timing. They they've got to improve that. And like I said, only their second game, no preseason. Maybe hopefully they'll just continue to get it better. Speaking of close, did you guys see that the Arizona Cardinals game? They go into overtime. Yeah, with uh, the the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, that was looking like a blowout. Looked like Vegas had that one in the bag, and uh, (laughs) not so much. Not so much. 
Yeah, that that could be a sleeper, but I don't I, I don't know. I don't I know. Mean, what Kyler to think Murray, about that. man, again, like with his whole uh, we we talked about this last week with his whole you know uh, homework clause that they you know so so uh, uh, nicely took away. Uh, he, he's been so hit and miss ever since that. Uh, I mean, really since the the Green Bay loss last year, but definitely since the Los Angeles Rams loss, and then after that, them going you know one for for six uh, or one for five. I I just I don't I don't know. I, I have zero. I think it kind of shows you how overblown the Raiders are. I got a surprising yes. stat for you guys. That's it, Chris. Devonte Adams, two catches, twelve yeah. yards. Overrated. Yeah, it can't that, happen, that can't and of course, ever happen. But well, it, 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 but it did. It did, <laughs> and and uh, this is what I'm saying. Everybody gets prisoner of the moment when it comes to big names, big stars. Devontae Adams going to Las Vegas. Oh, Las Vegas Raiders, they coming up, and they're then we in got the Super Bowl. Russell Wilson going to Denver oh, Broncos. Oh, the Super Bowl. Exactly. You know, and and, and uh, you know, we're guilty of that at, at times. Hopefully, not too much because uh, we're, we're 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 trying to sideline that stuff. Uh, but uh, it should be interesting to see how the season plays out for the Los Angeles Rams. They play uh, the Phoenix Cardinals next week, so that should be a good matchup. Let's look to tonight real quick before we go. We've got the Titans, Tennessee Titans, taking on their division rivals, the Buffalo Bills. This should be a great matchup, actually, yeah. and a true truth teller in regards to uh, how these teams actually stack up. Yeah, a great defensive battle for sure. Um They'll probably try to keep it a little bit more low scoring, but Buffalo, I think their defense is for sure better than the Titans, and their offense is way better. Uh, I've got no faith at all in the uh, Titans quarterback, Tannehill, so I think yeah. Buffalo runs away with this one. I, I I don't know what the spread is on this one, but I would say probably a, a two-touchdown game. Somebody looked that up. I, I totally agree that uh, it should be a two-touchdown spread for sure, and it's in Buffalo. Josh Allen, of course, great with his legs, great on his feet, great in the pocket, uh, just an all-around. Yeah, the spread uh, is 10 points. Yeah, 10 points. That makes sense to me. I mean, I'm taking the Bills. I think the Titans' only hope is if they can pound the ball and run it and control the clock and keep it low scoring and maybe make it a field goal game. Maybe they can get a timely fumble or turnover here or there. That would be their only hope. They got to play like almost a perfect game, but I don't. I don't see the Titans standing much of a chance. In the this Titans. One. They just got to go to this one gentleman who's I'm very fond of because he has the same exact initials as me. K. Phillips, <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Kyle Phillips, out there. Yeah, go to him, man. I agree. And I'll put my money on you. That's true, Chris. The Tennessee Titans' only hope is to pound the football. And uh, Princess Leia's only hope is Obi-Wan Kenobi. Well, <laughs> that's going to do it for us on Sideline the Agenda. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating. You can follow us on Twitter at Sideline Agenda. And tell your friends about the show. My name is Scott. That's Kevin. That's Chris. And this was Sideline the Agenda. Time to get off the sideline and into the game. <laughs> <laughs>